Who doesn't love Lafani? I know I do. One of the longest serving coffees we have at Has Been and still one of the best. My name is Steve Layton and I travel the world finding amazing and delicious coffee for you to drink at home. Some make coffee difficult to understand and complicated, but here it's my job to make it easy and fun and tell you what's in my mug. Finca Lafani has been producing coffee in El Salvador since 1870 and has belonged to the same family from generation to generation. Situated on the Santrana volcano, the farm provides work for 24 families in the community and is in a biological corridor that stretches from Mexico all the way down to Panama. The estate is full of 100% Bourbon coffees. Nearly 70% of El Salvador's total coffee production is Bourbon, which is one of the most desired coffee varietals in the cup. Um, it's harder to grow, it's more susceptible to disease and provides lower yields than lots of other varietals. But for me and for many other coffee professionals, it produces some of the finest coffee in the world. I love El Salvador for dedicating themselves to producing this like awesome varietal and awesome coffees. And I think they produce some of the best espresso coffees for me. This one is particularly fantastic. Um, I worked with it initially back in 2004 when um, has been was still roasting in the back of my garage at home. Um, and this was one of the first relationships along with Fazenda Cachoeira that I really was able to build and able to buy. Um, since then, we've gone from strength to strength. Um, I've been lucky enough to visit Rafael and Carmen many times, um, but I was able to meet them in a visit back in 2008. <coughs> Excuse me, 2012, uh, 2013 and 14 and last year and the year before that. I go all the time. And it's also always one of my highlights of my trip that I get to spend time with some of my favourite people on one of my favourite farms. And both of them have become very, very special friends, um, people who are very close and dear to me. Um, you'll get to see them a little later in the video. So this is a section where we focus on the tasting notes and try and think a little bit about how I came up with them. So the first things that jump to mind with this coffee that it's very clean and it's sweet. Um, and the sweetness reminds me of like a slight syrup. Um, like, so you know like the, when you get peaches in a tin and you get the syrupy kind of stickiness from it. But then mixed in with that is like um, a honeycomb. So like think about the honeycomb in a, in a crunchy bar. Uh, that kind of sweet, sweet kind of hit. And I'm saying sweet a lot. Um, these are all descriptors and I'm trying to drive home the sweetness to it. But it's not just sweetness. There is some interesting acidity in there. So again, when this is reminiscent of, it's not a taste of, it's something that reminds me of, is apricot. So think about a fresh apricot, the acidity of that, the juiciness of that. And then mix that with a little bit of like a lime zesty kind of, zing to it. Now it's not like eating a piece of lime zest. None of these descriptors are like eating the actual thing that you, it's a reminder of. One of my favourite descriptors I ever gave was the, uh, the carpet of a toilet of a working men's club. Now I've never tasted the carpet of a toilet in a working men's club but it's something that reminded me we didn't buy that coffee by the way. Um, but the descriptors are something that reminds you of and are not necessarily descriptive of. Hello and welcome to this week's Geography Lesson. I am Geography Steve 
And today we're going to be looking at El Salvador, which can be found here, or officially the Republic of El Salvador. It is the smallest and most densely populated country in Central America. El Salvador's capital and largest city is San Salvador. And as of 2015, the country had a population of approximately 6.38 million, consisting largely of Matizos of European and indigenous American descent. A succession of authoritarian rulers, persistent socio-economic equality and civil unrest culminated in the devastating Salvadorian civil war that went on between 1979 and 1992, which was fought between the military-led government with a coalition of left-wing guerrilla groups. The conflict ended with a negotiated settlement that established a multi-party constitutional republic, which remains in place to this day. El Salvador's economy was historically dominated by agriculture, beginning with the indigo plant, the most important crop during the colonial periods, and followed thereafter by coffee, which by the early 20th century accounted for 90% of export earnings. El Salvador has since reduced its dependence on coffee and has embarked on diversifying the economy by opening up trade and financial links and expanding the manufacturing sector. The, col the colon, the official currency of El Salvador, since 1892 was replaced by the US dollar in 2001. So this is a section that was called Roasting with Roland, but after one episode of Roasting with Roland, by popular demand, I've got rid of him, and I've introduced Edward. Ed, say hello to the people on In My Mug. Hello, lovely people. <laughs> you may not have seen Ed before, because Ed's been with us for just a few months now. Uh, he, he's still officially the new boy. Um, okay. But you've lots of experience of roasting. You've been roasting for a little while, haven't you? Yeah, two years. Yeah, so at uh, Origin, who are lovely people down in Cornwall, who yeah, we're good friends with. Lovely Cornwall. It's a long way away. It's though. a long way. It's a long way from anywhere. Yeah. Um, so, uh, been roasting for two years. Um, if you were roasting a Bourbon, like, how would you approach that differently? Is there anything you would look out for when you were just like... Because, you, you know, this is the first time you've roasted La Fanny with it being in, because you, you haven't had it in previous years. What would you look at when you first started? Uh, I'd probably go quite to a fast to a medium roast. Um, Bourbon's quite chocolatey, quite milk chocolatey, so probably go into crack, good speed, slow it down, uh, end, of, end of first, bring out that really high sweetness you get from, from Bourbon's. Um, wouldn't take it too far into second, I don't really want to uh, lose. There's a little bit of like, fruity sweetness in there, so yeah. I think that's the thing is you want to kind of keep those qualities that are in the coffee, but you also want to bring out what's hidden in there. And I think that quick roast is definitely the way I would always approach a Bourbon. Yeah. And you don't want to take it too dark because you just don't want any of those roasting notes kicking through. You just want the sweetness and the, the smoothness. And then that interesting acidity that can come through with that too. Yeah. Um, I think it's, it's really, really good. So how has it been coming from a roastery where you were roasting on one machine before, a very big machine, weren't you? But like, yeah. to roasting on, Four different ones. Does that has that been challenging as you've had to kind of adapt to? I'll be roasting on the two kilo now and roasting on the sixty kilo. Yeah, yeah, definitely. The uh, previous roasters I've had have been uh, thirty kilo to twelve. Um, Diedrich, Diedrich and Loring come in here. Yeah, say so going from a two kilo uh, to a sixty, it's very different. Uh, different styles of roasting, um, different philosophies. So, yeah thrown away a little bit of what I knew and learnt new things which has been great a um, little bit less technology than I've had in the past which is good because it gets you more back into the senses of smell uh, hearing um, just looking at the beans and having a feel for them 
Um, yeah, it's good. We've done a lot of tasting here since I've been here, so that helps as well. With it's one thing we definitely do a lot of here is there's a lot tasting. of cupping, a lot of tasting going on all the time. Well, if you've got any complaints about this week's roast, uh, please direct them to this gentleman as he's going to be roasting the MI mug for this this week. So uh, it's all Ed's fault. If you like it, you can send me an email thanking me for employing Ed and uh, letting him roast your coffee. So no pressure, mate. That no sounds pressure. fair. Yeah, cool. Rolling on. Caramel. Uh, green apple, is it? So this week for the tasting, we're going to do something a little bit different. I know we've done a lot of cupping, but we're going to cup as drinking and come up with the descriptors there. And so you can cup at home. Let's go look at the cupping brew guide. Hello everybody and welcome to the fifth in the series of the Has Been Brewing Guide. My name is Steve Layton and today we're going to be taking a look at the process of cupping. I know you're shouting at your computer, but that's not a brewing method. And you're right, but it's a great way to taste coffee and can also be a new level of interest for your hobby of coffee. First of all, you're going to need some things. You're going to need some cupping bowls. Now, you can use mugs as long as they're the same size and have a wide mouth, but dedicated bowls are best. A cupping spoon. A large spoon will do, but again, it's always best to have the right kit. Some coffee. Preferably some that you can compare. Freshly roasted, of course. A grinder, a kettle, some scales, a timer, and two spoons and another mug. Step one, boil the kettle. Step two, weigh out 12 grams of coffee beans that you want to cup and put them into the cupping bowl. Mark the bowl starting with one going upwards so you can know which coffee that you're going to be cupping. It's best to cup them blind. Then grind the coffee to a very coarse consistency. Think grit. Step three, Get that snozzer in the bowl. This is the highlight and should be thoroughly enjoyed. Step four, fill the bowl starting at one and don't dally. For the first time ever, I'm not gonna recommend using scales when using water, but that's why it's important they're all the same size. Go back and top up at the end if you need to to make sure they're filled to the rim. Step five, wait four minutes. While you wait, have another sniff of those wet grounds. It's a great chance to see what that coffee will be delivering to those taste buds. Step six, on four minutes, start at bowl one, get the back of the spoon and break the crust that's formed on the top. That gust of aromatics that are released when you break the crust is amazing and not to be missed. As soon as the spoon goes in, stir three times, no more, no less. If you stir twice or four times, the cupping police will be round to your house and be very, very unhappy. Between each cup, use a bowl of water to wash off the spoon. Step seven, go back to one and scoop off the grain in a crab pincer movement. Again, cleaning the spoon after each bowl is really important. Think hygiene. Step eight, clear away all the tools you've been using and replace the bowl of clean water with another one because it's going to be dirty by now. Step nine. So when you're ready to taste, place some on the spoon, making sure you aerate the liquid as you take it in. Something like... Step ten. Think about what flavours you taste. No flavour is too ridiculous. If you perceive it, then it's there. Write these down as you taste the coffee. Look for highlights like sweetness, acidity, body, and how it feels in the mouth. Flavours and how they hold together is what cupping is all about. You can use a cupping sheet, and I would recommend that you do that, but don't get too hung up on it. The most important part is what you taste. Step 11. Keep going back to the cups and keep going until it's lukewarm. 
The coffee will change over time and it's really important that you assess it at the very, very hottest and the very, very coolest. If a coffee doesn't hold together, it should be punished. But if it gets better, that should also be reflected. If you follow these simple steps, you can begin to assess coffee and score it. And this will help your palate grow and understand the differences between coffees. Thank you for watching this guide and I do hope that you've enjoyed it. I also hope that you'll take a look at some of the other brew guides we've done. My name is Steve Layton and remember, life is too short for bad coffee. So time to cup and one of my favourite coffees and favourite ways to enjoy it. So. so as we talked about when we focused on the tasting notes, this has is a super sweetness to it. Think light syrup, like apricots mixed in like sugary syrup with a sweet honeycomb to it. But on the finish, delicious like zingy zesty like lime zest that is just absolutely delicious. It's a fantastic coffee to cup, a fantastic coffee to brew. Now for something a little exciting, in my mug 327, we were lucky enough to get Carmen and Raphael uh, interviewed on there and I'd love to show that to you now. Norera, it's, uh, the name came after because uh, Rafael's grandparents met in San Francisco and they got married there. He came from Norway. He's Norwegian. His last name is Hof. So he married Rafael's grandmother in, and they came here to live in Apaneca. And uh, Rafael's grandmother had this property here, this uh, finca, and she named it after him because when she married uh, his grandfather. I, I, I love that so story. That's, uh, that's Norwega's name. Oh, so I'm going to show you some photos now on the screen of the, the actual, it's like a big plastic tent and then oh, that's right. there's a photo on the screen now of the actual beds in there and you'll see the naturals drying and we'll, yes. we'll find a severia in there that's drying so they can see okay. next year's one. Okay. But um, So then it goes in the beds. Now how long does it take to dry in there? Does it, I guess it changes again with how warm it is. Sometimes the... Sometimes we need 20 to 28 days. It depends on the weather. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting. So it has an initial sun Here drying. We are so. grinding coffee uh, in a, a thousand five hundred meters over the seas, which is and really really high for a mill, isn't it? I mean, this is yes. super. In most mills, you tend to find like a thousand yes. meters. Uh -huh. Yes, below. definitely. Mm -hmm. yeah. I love Carmen, I love Raphael, they are two of the most loveliest people you can ever wish to meet and two very special friends. I'm pleased their coffee is so good, but as I've always said, good people tend to grow good coffee. Uh, and that's because life is too short for bad friends and bad coffee. <laughs> Loads of outtakes for this week's one. <laughs> I was holding that one in. <sighs> oh, this is not good. Come on, Steve. Fang time!